the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's going to be a hot summer, but not when you're driving. BNR Auto is your first name in affordable AC repair in San Antonio. Located downtown at 2401 West Commerce, our specialists will check your air conditioning for free. Call us at 215-1519 for all your car or truck repair services. We do the repair work no one really wants to do, and we do it right. Don't drive in this heat. BNR Auto stands for burn. Mention the Bible Live for a 10% discount. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible. The entire Bible every year. On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Some people ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Okay, not tonight. No Soapy tonight, but we have Jacob here. Yes, and Soapy may be asking questions, but he's not doing it here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he may be asking somebody questions. Oh, and I'm John Harrison, by the way. Uh, And I'm Jacob on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) No, Soapy's away from the studio, and uh, I guess technically I'm filling in for him, so that makes me like the half dollar, Uh, since I'm not as, as, uh, I guess, strong a a, uh, host. So it's a currency devaluation, is that what you're telling us? Yes, yes. And that because you're currently doing it. Okay, listen, uh, yeah, well, actually, and I understand there is a new intro coming where it's actually going to mention my name as if I was on the show. Uh, But tonight, uh, we're going to go ahead, and we have a few questions, and Soapy always, he and his family, do the show. And uh, uh, they write the questions, and then I always get the honor and privilege of picking among his many, many questions, like uh, probably about 50 of them. And I have picked a couple. and uh, But we ha- have a guy that's a caller at this moment calling in. Is that Chris? Is that right? Uh, 
you know what? It's a what's oh, a lady. Okay, well, I'll tell you what. Let's, uh, I'll give a couple questions in a minute, the questions that Sophie wrote, and I did pick a couple of his fine questions. But let's see what Chris has to say. If she's calling in this early, she must have something to say. Are there unfine questions? Yeah, only the ones I ask. <laughs> Please uh, put her on air. Is, Looks uh, like we lost her. What? What did you do, John? She was on hold. Well, Chris, I'm sorry. John was not holding you very tight because you're gone. So, if Chris, if you'd like to call back, you are welcome to. And if you call back, we'll get you right on. In the interim, we'll go ahead with the show. <laughs> All right. Well, Soapy always likes a psalm, so let's do a couple of his psalms. Uh, Soapy said in one of his psalm questions, <clears throat> what this is what promise did God make to King David of Israel that is celebrated in Psalm 89.4? That's a psalm question. Now, let's go to a couple of questions. And tonight we're doing Second Chronicles. And it's really going to be from 19.1 to 36.23. That's the area. But anything is fair game. If somebody wants to go back earlier in Chronicles or even all the way back to Genesis... I'm I'm good. I'm good with that. So at any rate, here's a couple of questions, and I'm going to start off with I think are a couple of interesting questions, which are deeper into these questions that Sophie wrote rather than the beginning of the questions. So first I'll give two. And by the way, if somebody wants to call up and just talk about anything that's in Second Chronicles, you are certainly welcome. Then after you ask what your question is about Chronicles, I'll talk about something else in the Bible I'm interested in. <laughs> no, I'm joking. I'm joking. Okay, so here's the first question I will ask. Uh, Josiah enacted many religious reforms and restored temple worship uh, for uh, restored the temple worship. But when when he was about 26 years old, what did he deliver to the people that helped spark a spiritual revival across the land? That's in Second Chronicles 34. 13 through 33. It's a really historical, interesting question because Hosea, who was a very young man when he first got the job, he actually has taken something that was kind of misplaced, you might say, but as we get on with tonight's story, I think it'll explain why it got misplaced. But it's uh, so Hosea found something that he gave to the people that sparked a spiritual, in the, the old historical sense, revival, and it's in 34, 13 through 33. The other question, and this is really a good one. Well, they're all good ones, but I like this one. <clears throat> uh, this is kind of like, who am I kind of question. Uh, I prophesied that after 70 years, the Jews exiled in Babylon would be allowed to return to Israel. Who am I? Now, I'm going to put an addendum on that of my own making. And if you can answer this, this will also be, we'll give you an additional bonus point if somebody can tell us what man in Babylon read what this gentleman wrote and determined when the 70 years of captivity was up. A lot of people think this guy just did prophecy, but actually he was reading the Bible. Yeah, the guy I'm talking about, his name starts with a D. And 
What we're talking about is who am I? You will find him in uh, Jeremiah up I just thirty six twenty two of Second Chronicles. So those are the two interesting questions I'd like to start with. Okay. Other than that, uh, Chris, call back so I have somebody to talk to. John, how are you? Doing okay. Oh. And that's it? And you? Oh, th- fine. Just thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> okay. There is something very... That's that under- witty banter you've come to expect from the show. Uh, well, yeah, certainly. Certainly banter and wit. Uh, but, hey, there is something very interesting that occurs. It really kind of is the, in the theme, and I think it blends into the two questions we ask or okay. from the Chronicles. And it's in Second Chronicles 19.6. And I just happen to have the Bible with me. Well, how appropriate. Yes, and I thought what I will do is I will just 19.6. I'll just read something because this is so interesting. Because it goes on in today's world. I'm all a flutter. Well, okay. Uh, I can let you go for a couple minutes. <laughs> okay. 19.6. Uh, and listen to this. Now, this is in Second Chronicles. And uh, I'll just read a couple lines. And then uh, King Jehoshaphat says he appointed some judges throughout the land of all the fortified towns in Judah, in each and every town. And he abjured the judges. Now listen to this closely. Okay. Reflect on what you're doing. For you judge not on behalf of men, but on God's behalf. He is with you when you pass judgment. Now, that's the historical meaning of what everybody quotes from the book of Matthew when it says, Judge not lest you be judged. I was just wondering that. I was going to ask you. Oh, well, I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll just wait. No, no, you're, you're, you're going there. No, no, you're no, I, I, I was, I'll withdraw my comment and you go no, ahead. I, <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in Matthew, what it says, judge not lest you be judged, what it's referring to is you cannot, because actually the second verse says, by what law you judge or measure you judge with shall be measured against you. In other words, if you make up your own law, the next guy will make up his law. So... Actually, this go, this is a theme that goes on all the time, but in Chronicles it actually says, judges, you must use God's law. So the idea in Matthew is you are supposed to judge. When it says judge not lest you be judged, nobody quotes the second sentence. that says, by what law you use, you will be judged by the next man who makes up his law. Unless, as it says here, you use God's law. So actually, Jesus was saying, use God's law to judge by. Right, okay. You had a thought, a comment? No, 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 I'm just fascinated. Oh, well, okay, why are you fascinated? Just, well, the whole thing about the the people misquote that. Well, and I know, I do know that uh, in the Christian setting, of course, that a lot of people like to hit Christians with that. Hey, didn't Jesus say, judge not lest you be judged? Well, that's not what he said. He said exactly the opposite. He said, you are supposed to judge, but you only judge using God's law. Now, you may or may not like the law. That's a different matter. But he did say that. So what's fascinating is people take it as though there is no judge, there is no law. Well, that's not true. It's just exactly what I read. You are supposed to judge. The judges in ancient Israel always had to use only God's law. One of the tests that you might find 
is in the book of Judges. Let's say you read the book of Judges, and you've gone down through the first five books of the Torah, you mm-hmm. know, Genesis through Deuteronomy, and you get to Joshua, and you see the conquering line. Then you get to Judges. Well, let's consider that your test. All the laws in the first five books, including Joshua, which would be six, actually contain all the laws in Judges. And so if you can't answer in the book of Judges what law is violated and what should have been done, then really as your graduation exam to be a judge, you're really not up to being a judge. And if you're not, no problem. We'll just start over again at Genesis and start teaching you God's laws again. That's not an issue. So it's a it's a very very uh, user friendly system, and <laughs> <laughs> so you get to do it over and over again. <clears throat> but it does determine if you can determine and tell which law was violated, what should have been done, what should not have been done. It's actually your examination. I think I need the cliff notes for this. <clears throat> well, uh, <laughs> the Bible cliff notes. Well, uh, okay, I, I can give you one. Love God, love man. There you go. There you go. Uh-huh. Well, well, what was his what was his whole thing about the sum- summation of the law? You know, like what's the most important? Well, that's it. He, he was yeah. basically saying just love God, love man, that kind of thing. Now, if anybody would like to call in and guess who wrote the prophecy of 70 years and it was later read by a prophet that we call a prophet, but the truth is, a lot of stuff that guy wrote that, that we call a prophet, he was simply reading the Bible. And it's in here. And he actually read it. And it's actually in the book. Isn't that fascinating? Oh, I'm again, I'm all a flutter. Oh, man. All, yeah. a, all a Twitter. Okay. Yeah, I love that line from uh, Disney that says, uh, I'm Twitter-pated. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Okay. You said Jehoshaphat's, right? Uh, Jehoshaphat was the one I was quoting. Yeah, yeah. We see, we see the, the jumping one, the jumping Jehoshaphat. He probably, <laughs> upon occasion, did. Uh, but he never jumped to conclusions. He always followed that law. So, well, let's well let's just go ahead and talk. There is another question here. And by the way, anybody wants to call and talk about anything in the Second Chronicles, that'd be great. Maybe we could call up and discuss them. They'd like to discuss. Even Soapy's invited to call. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, listen to this one. Uh, the second question that Soapy wrote, or his, him and his family, I guess, wrote, when Judah was attacked by the armies of Moab, Ammon, and Edom, what did Jehoshaphat ask the people to do? The answer is in 20, verse 3. And I'll just I'll give you the answer. He, they want, he wants them to pray and fast. Do you know what fasting is? Yes. Yes, I do. Well... Enlighten. Okay. I mean, isn't that where you don't eat and you're cleansing the, the your body out? You're doing it for a period of time? Uh, fasting is going without food, yes. Right, right. By the way, I'd like to add it's not in the Bible, but my response is if fasting is not eating, do you know what slowing is? That would be gorging on food. You got it. I, and that's not in the Bible. I kind of ad-libbed that, but that's true. So if you overeat, you're slowing, which really kind of works. Then I've been slowing for some time then. Uh, yeah, well, maybe that's why you're fluttering. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so, uh, so, but there's something fascinating. 
there's actually something that takes place. The overall theme of this part of the Bible we're in is simply that we have an effort to take over Judah and the religion of Judah. And we actually have a descendant of Jezebel coming on board. And she, and some people pronounce it Athalia, some people say Athalia, and either way anybody likes to pronounce it is good for me. But she's a descendant of Jezebel. And she became the queen. Now, who was Jezebel? Do you recall? She's the one that did something very famous. Okay, you're going to have to refresh. Okay, thanks for the opportunity of pretending like you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, okay, what it is is Jezebel challenged. She sent a bunch of her prophets to challenge a man named Elijah at Mount Carmel. Okay. Okay, so they show up there, and and Elijah challenges them. And they pour some water, and they want to have fire come down from heaven, and uh, that'll be a sign that God chooses who he chooses and consumes their offering. Well, God obviously preferred Elijah. And so, uh, actually, in Elijah in Hebrew or in English would mean, my God, yeah. Isn't that interesting? So he's saying, my God is yeah. So... But at that Mount Carmel, when uh, Jezebel's prophets and priests lost, 450 of them from that worship Baal or Baal, I guess in English, they died. And 400 of the ones that worshiped the Asherah pole. Asherah pole was like under the goddess Asherah. So they all died. Well, that made Jezebel pretty mad, I'll tell you. And so she wanted to kill... Elijah, then he fled. There's a very mysterious line when he goes and he says, oh, he just wiped out all these prophets. And he says, oh, God, I'm so alone, I'm scared, etc., etc." Mm -hmm. And that's a very hard thing to comprehend. But that's not for tonight. So, uh, no, that's a, that's a segue. Anyway, so what happened is Jezebel later gets, she falls out a window, and the dogs eat her. Wow, what a way to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, she, but she was on the throne, married to somebody who was really a legitimate king in, in the line of uh, Judah, kings of Judah. And so you got to ask yourself, how did she get there? Well, because it was an arranged marriage for political sake. And she really, she wanted to take over things, and she murdered to do it. And uh, she took over a guy's vineyard. And and just, she'd just do whatever she wanted to do. But she brought her own religion with her. And actually, so her descendant later became a queen again in Egypt. I'm sorry, in Israel. Uh, but she brought her own religious too. What you're looking at is a real struggle, certainly a religious Wait, struggle. Her own religion? Yes, from her own people, yes. Okay. And what's fascinating is is that um, she she actually believed that there was a different God, her God. And that was, people are familiar with the word Baal, but it's really Baal. And so, uh, in the Hebrew anyway. So, Baal means the word master. Now, in the Bible, well, some people might disagree with this, and that's okay. Technically speaking, there is in the Christian Jewish Bible, all these names for these other gods are not really names of gods. 
their titles, their ways to sometimes be uh, even disrespectful. Like um, you've heard of the name Behezel Bob, and mm-hmm. uh, and you've heard of a couple other people. Um, and what that really means is, and you'll get the joke here, the uh, Lord of the Flies. There's a book written in America called Lord of the Flies. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know what flies seem to buzz around out in the fields. <laughs> so it's a way of kind of being very derogatory, of saying, hey, the Lord of the Flies is nothing but cow manure, you know? Yeah, I saw where you were going with that. Yeah, yeah. So, but, so that's what it's all about. So, But the, the point is, is that all of the other gods' names are not really in the Bible. So when we read these names, we're really reading a title or even a, a slanderous way of referring to them. Because the idea was that the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the Jews, the Christians, the God was not going to basically share his book and put somebody else's name in it. That's roughly the idea. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Absolutely. So is there a... Have we given out the phone number? You know what? <laughs> May I say no? <laughs> okay, go ahead. Okay, we'd love for you to call in, join in the fun, and uh, if you have a question or a comment, you know, you can uh, join us. 340-9585. That's 340-9585. Yes, I'm sorry. I was actually looking for one of my notes that I was going to bring up today. Ah, listen. Are you talking then? Yes, I I was bringing up a note, yes. Um, So listen, I'm going to turn to it now because this really is something that takes place today. And it takes place with almost every religion. And it's fascinating that it was actually back, even back, way back in the book of uh, Second Chronicles, and it has a lot to do with Athalia, Athalia, however you like to say it, and Jezebel and these other religions. They were creeping into Israel, into Judah, and they were wanting to change the religion to their idea of religion. In fact, uh, let me just turn here real quick and I'll read you a very interesting passage. Uh, say It's in 32, 18, 19. Uh, listen to this. This is actually what it says. Now, this is not about the God of Israel, but this is about the other gods. And it says, uh, uh, and actually it's in here because the Jews were incensed by it. Mm-hmm. But the same language that is used for the God of Israel at this time is also the same language that other people are using for their gods. And it's exactly what takes place in today's world. Because if I use the word God, you think I'm using the word as you define it. If I tell you in different religions, Allah means God, you take it that way. It means God. But you think you understand. But listen to this passage. This is just fascinating. And it's taking place in the setting of the descendant of Jezebel, etc. They also called the other people. They also called out loudly in the language of Judah to the people of Jerusalem who are on the wall to frighten them and make them show panic. They spoke about the God of Jerusalem as they did about the gods of the peoples of the land, idols by the work of the hands. You catch what's being said? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So it's fascinating. So they, would, they were actually using the same terms that uh, the people in Jerusalem used for the God, 
and but they use the acts actually the same way of calling him. He's the God of the world. He created everything. Everything they say was being said by these other people, who were obviously not Jewish. They certainly in today's world would not have been Christians, but they had their own religion. And what's fascinating is they were using the same language. And today, when I was looking at that, I was thinking, you know, that's fascinating because that's what takes place today. You have a conversation with somebody, they'll say something, well, we all believe in God. And the question is, well, do we? And do we uh, all worship the same God? See, do you know what the real harm is in these other gods other than the God of the Bible? Do you know what really this is really about? There's something about putting them on, on an even keel there. Yeah, moral equivalency. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. And now, when I say moral equivalency, um, so we have one minute? Okay. We'll be going to a break in one minute, and I would love to have somebody to talk to, so please somebody call in. At any rate, Chris, you can call back. At any rate, so uh, what it's about is every god has their own laws and way of worshiping. And those laws are really unjust or just, but they're still God's laws. For example, and I'm not picking on any particular religion, but if let's say the religion of the God of the Bible, which the Christians, the Jews, accept, suppose he says if somebody steals something, you have to pay it back. That seems like justice to me anyway. Yes. If I have a religion that says I cut off the person's hand, even if they're still in a loaf of bread, to feed their family, that to me seems unjust. But each God has their own laws, and that's how you can define. If you're all talking about the same real God, is if the laws are the same. That's how you can define it. Are we close to the break now? We are going into the break right now. And we'll be back in just a moment. More, more food for thought from Jacob. This is the Bible Live quiz show. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the dollar family that Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. If you lease office, retail, or warehouse space for your business, the last thing you want to do is overpay the landlord, but it happens every day. 
Hi, I'm Scott McMurray and president of Bottom Line Realty Advisors. We work with business people who want an effective strategy for their next real estate decision. Whether leasing or buying, it affects your bottom line. Your landlord has representation, and you should too. Even if you're a good tenant with no plans to move at all, you're the most vulnerable to getting a really bad deal. We only represent our clients, never landlords, so we have no conflict of interest. We stay on your side. Call me, Scott McMurrian, at 210-535-7800, and we'll negotiate from a position of strength. BottomlineRealtyAdvisors.com Bottom Line Realty Advisors, we get the landlord off your bottom line. Join Barry Bass every weekday morning for the KSLR Morning Ministries, including Through the Bible, Renewing Your Mind, Truth for Life, and Focus on the Family. Weekdays from 6 to 10 on AM 630 KSLR and KSLR.com. Praise you in the morning, praise you in the evening, when I'm young and when I'm old. Praise you when I'm laughing, praise you when I'm grieving, never sees another soul. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And we're back for more of the Bible Live Quiz Show here this wonderful Sunday evening. Unfortunately, your buddy Soapy Dollar is not with us tonight. And I am John Harrison. Uh, I'm filling his seat. You can't really take his place, but you you fill his seat. I'm I'm not up to par with him, so I'm kind of a half dollar tonight. But we oh, do have the is, wonderful Jacob. That, that is very good, very good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've uh, been, you short, say, you've been you shortchanged tonight. Yeah, you... Oh, I was going to say that. You stole my line. Okay, so let's <laughs> No, no, no. You're not totally shortchanged because we have Jacob here. Uh, but first, if you want to call in and be a part of the show, 340-9585. That's 340-9585, and we do have a caller on hold whenever you're ready. Uh, well, let's just go ahead and take that gentleman, see what he's got on his mind. Jerome, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello, Jerome. So nice to hear from you. And what was that? Was that pizza with everything or what? <laughs> no, I just, uh, I'll just take a Bible pizza. A Bible pizza. Okay. Well, I'm sure there's a joke there, and I'm working on it, but I can't think of it. What did the What did the, uh, the, the Buddhist say to the hot dog vendor? Uh, Make me one with everything. <laughs> That's not bad. That's not bad. Well, Jerome, what's going on? What's on your mind, my friend? Well, I just wanted to uh, call in and see uh, the discussion the last time uh, you guys uh, were into the Bible. Uh, oh, yeah, we still are, at, too, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You guys are still, you never get done. I love it. And so uh, I was just uh, calling in to see if uh, if there's any topic there that uh, you're discussing tonight that I might contribute. I, I missed the first half of your show, at least the first half hour. So oh. I apologize. Well, so for not, so uh, did I. Not, it's uh, okay. <laughs> no, I, no, 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 no. No, actually, it's, it's, uh, well, we're, we're doing a, we're, we're basically anything's open and fair game, but we're doing a, in second Chronicles from 19 to 36. But one of the interesting things that I have always thought interesting is, um, is that this, uh, descendant of Jezebel, she, uh, she, 
actually does something very, very horrible. Hey, let's try this one. Joan, was there ever a queen that ruled Israel? Uh, there was a, a there was a queen. Her name was uh, I believe it was uh, I forget her name. I think it was Hephzibah, but uh, she was uh, or Athaliah. Excuse me, Athaliah was her name, and uh, she was a, a king that took or a queen that took over for about uh, two or three four years uh, there. I'm sure you know. I'm sure you know this, but she did a very horrible thing to get the job. Do you know what she did? Uh, well, uh, like anybody else that uh, you know, looking for uh, job security, uh, she eliminated her competition. Aha! Uh-huh. And who was that competition? Do you, know, do you happen to recall? I don't recall the uh, the actual king at that at uh, that time that uh, she, well, she she eliminated the descendant. Yeah, she she had a husband that was uh, uh, let's see, his name was uh, Jehoram, and he was only king for a short time. There's a discrepancy and dispute about how long, anywhere from like two to six years. But he died. And uh, then she wanted to, became the ruler because she was, the, for all intents and purposes, queen. And there were six grandchildren. I mean children. She had them all poisoned to make sure she could stay on the throne. However, one child escaped. And, it's, and that child became a very, very influential person in the future. Do, do you happen to know who that one person was that escaped? Uh, boy, it could be Josiah. Uh, oh, hey, do you have a bell or anything? He just, you got it, you got it. Yeah. Oh, that's very, very good. That was not a bell, but that's okay, John, that's okay. Uh, but anyway, so, yeah, and so and how old, he was only... He was very young when he took office. Do you know how old he was? I think he started out at seven years old, um, somewhere around there. Yeah, well, that eight. So that's close. Seven's close eight. enough to eight. Okay. Yeah, that's very good. Okay. Listen, uh, have you ever read the Bible before? You, you kind of. <laughs> it seems like you may have. Well, it's 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 an amazing book that you know that we we find that it's still relevant uh, here in the twenty first century, and it has been. Uh, it has been influential for for many uh, centuries, and of course, uh, the biggest the issues that that come you know having the Bible is uh, you know how do you how do you interpret it and what translations do you use? And, and what I find interesting, uh, uh, maybe you could tell me, Jacob, on this is that why does the Jewish Bible end with Chronicles and the Christian Bible ends with Malachi? Um, I, I'm assuming you want a sincere answer as opposed to a comedic answer, right? Well, just any answer that, that is close to the, uh, uh, you know, close to the reason of, of why. Well, I don't, um, I don't know that, yeah, uh, the, the Christian Bible, as I understand it, and I only know from what I've been told and what I've read, is they have chosen Malachi, by the way, that means my angel. And uh, they have taken the position that there's 400 years of silence between that last prophet and the book of Matthew. Um, there was there's always dry periods, you might say, but in the 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 sages that put together the Jewish Bible, they put all the stories together, all the uh, religious stories, the historical stories 
because they wanted everything there, and then they did a recap. It's sort of like Abraham Lincoln said, tell them what you're going to tell them, tell them, then tell them what you told them. So basically, they're telling them, and then they're telling them what they told them with the Chronicles. But as I understand it, um, the reason for that is that they felt it was, I have been told and read in the Christian world, that they thought there's a prophecy in Malachi about John the Baptist that they interpret to be John the Baptist coming. And so he fulfills that role. And they, I think they believe that was a, a segue to uh, what's happening in the Gospels. That's at least what I've been told. All right. Well, I appreciate that that answer, uh, the Bible answer, man. Uh, oh, because, no, no, again, no, 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 no. I, I am not that guy. And he'll he'll call me up and tell me things. <laughs> no, in fact... Uh, well, let's just say you're the man with all the answers and a few questions. Then. Well, actually, yeah, and I will tell you, I did uh, have a chance to review it here in the Bible, but in this... Uh, uh, now, I pronounce, tend to pronounce it Athalia, but you pronounce it Athalia? How do you say it? Athalia. Athalia. I actually have heard that in the, more in the Christian world. Uh, so, but she actually, she was she was married and her husband died. Her son, uh, Ahaziah, uh, then be, at 22 years of age, he became king. And then he died. Well... Since her husband and her son was dead, she realized that her role was in jeopardy because she really, really was not Jewish. She came from a different world, a different religion, and she had different beliefs about different gods, as did her ancestor Jezebel. And that's when she actually uh, had poisoned the, uh, as I said, the royal seed of the line of David. And her goal was really, and the actual, we'll find this back in Kings, it's it's not really mentioned in Chronicles, but it's mentioned in Kings, that her idea was if she eliminated every person that would ever be in the line of David, that would extinguish any possibility of ever having an eternal king on the throne, which in the Christian world, of course, we would understand to be, eventually be Jesus. Because if there is no descendants, then there could never be Jesus or even uh, anybody else in the line of David. But her idea was to extinguish that seed. Uh, and I've always, often found that fascinating that she understood that the, the prophecies and the other items about the line of David will always have a king on the throne. And, and I believe that is actually mentioned, that, that prophecy, that promise from God to David is in Second Samuel, I believe, chapter 7. And so what she did was uh, she actually tried to wipe out the entire line, but one child escaped. And as you said, that was uh, Josiah. And his, actually his aunt, his maiden, uh, her ma the caretaker, maid, it was really his aunt, had secreted him away. She kept him alive. And then when he was eight, she took him over to the uh, temple. And... A, a very, very strong-minded, good priest anointed him as the new king of Israel. And, of course, eventually, uh, uh, Athaliah, is that how you're saying it? Athaliah? Or Athaliah, either one is good for me. But she was eventually killed. In fact, I will tell you this. 
Uh, here's an interesting note. Um, and you can almost see the name coming forth in modern religious thought from different gods. Because Athaliah uh, is, or however you like, her name meant, she was, her actually meant, God is great. Well, of course, we've heard that kind of thing several times <laughs> on the news. But God is great. Of course, Jezebel meant, where's my prince? But uh, Jehoiada, Jehoiada is, uh, actually meant was uh, Yodhe is great. And so it's actually, their names is actually an embodiment of the different religious thoughts. And I've often found that fascinating, too. Uh, did you, uh, have you ever took, taken a look at the, um, at the struggle that was going on between taking over the temple and the religion of Israel by the infiltration and intermarriage? Have, have you ever picked up on that when you're reading, in, like in the Book of Chronicles, Jerome? Well, I, I just know that uh, there was always a struggle for the legitimate uh, faith, and then, of course, the one that had been uh, amalgamated, the one that had been synthesized with the nations around them. And they incorporated uh, the, the uh, Judaism within their temple worship. They would just sacrifice on the high places and call it their sacrificing to the God of Israel, but it was actually uh, an altar of paganism. Uh, that they did. And so they tried to, to mix both, uh, the legitimate religion with the illegitimate religion. And, and, uh, the Lord God didn't, didn't accept that. That was, that was just not playing it straight. And so they couldn't fake it where, uh, oh, no, we've been faithful to you. But then, you know, then, then why are you doing this? He says, and why are you doing that? And, and, uh, and you're complaining now when all these tragedies come upon you. So, uh, you can't uh, you can't mix uh, the religions together and, and make a new one out of it. It's just uh, Hashem knows His covenant and what it means, and and so it has always been problematic for the nation. And we find that uh, you know that when there were good kings and evil kings, and good kings and evil kings, and and it just seemed the historical record. Uh, I find it fascinating that when they were in the wilderness and they were first getting into the land, how faithful they were, but. Only a few generations after they got in, they started, you know, uh, this uh, co- corruption of their of their faith and mixing their religion, and again, they got into a lot of trouble. So it seems a very historical precedent until finally they were removed from the land, and uh, and that has been uh, a real, um, you know, disappointment because again, the uh, the history of Judaism remembers the destruction of the temple in 586 and. And, and the uh, and the ninth of Av and and and, and all the supplicant destructions uh, uh, when they have been unfaithful, and so. Uh, but again, the good news is that uh, Jeremiah too. He says, "Hey, but I, you remember me. You'll you'll come back, and uh, you had me. You had your first love towards me, and so um, uh, there is a, a hope and renewal of, of this uh, of this commitment uh, to coming back, and so uh, we see that uh, in Chronicles because. The last, the last uh, chapter in the last verse that talks about a, an aliyad, about going up to Jerusalem to return. So that's the hope of Israel, I believe. Well, it is. And what's interesting, while this is not biblical, but a lot of people accept this as a historical treatise on it, is Josephus in the Antiquities wrote something that we don't have recorded in the Bible, but 
uh, he claims he was a witness to many things, and he wrote this as his take on it. And in the Antiquities, he actually wrote this. When uh, Joash was taken in there at eight years old, he actually held the book of the law, the God's law, the Torah, and she went in, and she was ripping her clothes and yelling treason, treason, wanted him to be killed. And, of course, nobody did. Instead, after six years of her usurpation of the uh, usurping of the, the power of Judah, they eventually tracked her down and killed her. And I always found that very fascinating. And Joash actually is the one, and since we're talking about it, I might as well just talk about it. In the, the question I was asking in Soapy's Pick of 31, he said he acted many, react, put in many religious reforms, and he discovered, and it was brought to him actually, they found the book of the law of Moses, the Bible. That's in Second Chronicles 34. That's 13 through 33. So for some reason, the Torah was evidently hidden, secreted away, something. And, uh, and I suspect it had a lot to do with uh, the, the evil queen taking over and killing children. And she was, act- like I said, she actually wanted to kill Joash, but uh, the nurse, his aunt, snuck him away and saved him. And, and then he implemented, he actually, so you see, almost see the struggle going on because you got him coming back, the young child, and bringing the law of Moses back. And I always found that I can, I can just picture the struggle continually going on. And it's not hard for me to analogize it to things in today's world. Because as you were talking about syncretism and people combining different religions, and and you can combine religions and you can make them work for social reasons, but you're right; they sometimes they just don't work. And so what I also found, Jerome, was it's fascinating that when I was reading, looking at Chronicles today before the show, I thought, man, this is a great passage, because it actually says that they were using. The same language to tell the people in Jerusalem, Jews, that the same language they used for the God of Abraham, they were using for their gods. And I often found that fascinating. Because, you know, you really don't know if a person uses the word God. You don't know if they're talking about the same. Do you have a way of determining if a person is talking about the same God? Jerome, how do you determine that? Uh, well, I think there's there's uh, there's the God of of, of creation and uh, and then there's also a God of of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and I think that God is the God of of, of the scriptures, and uh, and so when they try to say that uh, Baal is God or or anybody else, uh, and they say they have he has the same. Um, characteristics. Well, he doesn't because uh, the God of, of of Abraham is a God that is unseen and a God that uh, has char- his character is known, and he's known by his his word being and his his faithfulness to his word and promises. So, um, um, and and I think it's it's clear because everything else uh, that's man made, a man made God. Is one that's either a creation, a creature, or something which is from creation, where um, the God of Israel is the Creator. He created all things, and I think that's the difference. Now, if someone tries to 
uh, usurp the name of God Almighty and says, I'm the God of Almighty, but uh, the promises that God gave Israel are, are mute or are, are in, uh, no longer in existence. Again, that's, a, that's not a God either, because God promised uh, the people of Israel that the land was theirs, the Torah would be yours, and that uh, they would influence all, all nations. And so anybody says, well, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and, and Jacob, uh, you know, changed, changed sides. Uh, now you're no longer backing uh, the children of Israel. And again, that's a that's a false god. One of the ways I have always uh, tried to handle this is I sort of like the fruit of the tree, you might say, or proofs in the pudding. But I always said, well, I know we're using the same words, but do we actually have the same laws of that god? And uh, during, like John and I were talking during the break, for me, if I, uh, to me, it seems very just that if I if somebody steals something, they have to return what they stole. They have to pay something in addition, maybe 20% fine. That seems just. But to cut off the person's hand uh, for stealing perhaps bread to feed their hungry child, that to me strikes to be unjust. But without regarding either one of those examples as proving which is God, I, of course I have my opinion, I assume you have yours, but Without going there, the fact that they have different laws for how they determine the penalties for stealing and the penalties for worshiping and the penalties how you convince people they should become a, a convert, or evangelism, those things are so different, they cannot be the same God when a person uses the word God, and I use the word God. Does that make any sense to you? Uh, yes, you know, it's just uh, using the same term, but uh, describing different characteristics and different teachings. Uh, God's words in his covenant uh, are very, very just, and they proclaim liberty, they proclaim justice, and and if there's one characteristic of God, he is a God of justice, and he's also a God of mercy, and, and many times you find that gods that, that are not uh, that way, they're very un merciful and they're unjust and you can tell them that uh, those are man-made concepts and that's why we try to a man tries to uh, incorporate the, the human characteristics in their god to justify uh, not feeling guilty about the higher standards that uh, the god of israel puts on on uh, on his people israel you know, th that's very interesting what you're saying. And I know you're obviously a very knowledgeable person. And uh, not to put you on the spot, but in the book, there's a book in the Bible that we call a prophet. starts with a D. There's a hint. Uh, he, you know, he determines that uh, 70 years has come to an end. Do you know where that, who that person was and where he got it from? Uh, that that particular prophet uh, was Daniel. Ah, hey, give and, him a ring. And, oh, we have a ring for you. Now you're married. <laughs> yeah. But but the actual the actual prophecy about the seventy years was was first proclaimed by Jeremiah ah. and uh, and Jeremiah uh, you know, pronouncing the condemnation to the to the king. Uh, there was uh, Jehoiakim, Jehoiachin, and and uh, and then uh, Zechariah, and so all these different kings had uh, 
had been warned, but then he proclaimed a 70-year punishment. And in Jeremiah 29, he tells them, you're going to go into captivity. Don't believe the prophets that say, you know, you're going to be rescued and God's going to deliver you. He says, uh, you stay in Babylon, you build houses, you marry and, and interact. Don't become terrorists and don't become uh, resistant fighters to overthrow the government of Babylon, but remain faithful, be good citizens. And he says, I will remember you, and I have a plan for you, and I have a hope for you, and I will restore you. And then, of course, he gives the promise of 70 years. Daniel, then, uh, he is actually experiencing the captivity, not just a projection by Jeremiah. And then he says in Jeremiah, in Daniel chapter 9, as I was praying for my people and praying for, for my own sins, that the, that the angel came and spoke to me about uh, the fact that uh, there was uh, uh, a, a, a hearing, that he heard the, heard the prayers, and he came to tell them about uh, the, the, uh, the prophecy of the return. And that one was, was the 70 weeks uh, uh, prophecy that Israel would return. And that, uh, and that there would be a, again, a restoration. But again, based on the book of the covenant that, that Daniel, uh, recognizes. So, uh, there's always been that hope in a place that God will fulfill his word. And he says, I, I may punish you, but you know, you're like my child. I love you and, and you'll always be my child. Uh, and you're absolutely right. And I've always found that fascinating because you've actually got Daniel. And there are several things that I catch in the book of Daniel. I realize he's considered a prophet, and I think he was, he had his moments of enlightenment, you might say. But so much of what he gets, he also gets from reading the Bible. For example, uh, one of the things, uh, his name from the uh, uh language they spoke. It wasn't Babylonia. It had another name, and I forget what it was. But his name, he became uh, the uh, it translates to chief of the magi, or magi. And so he actually taught them from the Bible what would happen when a Jewish Messiah uh, would come. And so it's actually in the book of Daniel. And what's fascinating is people don't realize this. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Ten Commandments with uh, Charlton Heston, Jerome? Uh, yes. You mean Moses, right? Yes. I do mean Moses, yes. That was the namesake, yes. And uh, but So in there, at the first five minutes of it, he actually says, Oh, I'm being told we have one minute. Can you hang on through the break, Jerome? I can. Okay, well, we're going to talk till uh, John's finger stops twirling in the air. And so um, the uh, so he said in there in the first five minutes they actually come and say hey there's a star in the sky pronounce a redeemer a savior and people don't catch that in the movie but that actually is the truth it's mentioned twice in the book of Exodus that's why Jeremiah I mean not Jeremiah but Daniel could teach as the chief rabbi for the Magi the Magi. He could teach him because it had been done. So they knew the prophecy was that it would happen again. And we all know the story about Jesus and the star in the book of Matthew, right? Correct. 
So that's fascinating stuff. Anyway, John, how many seconds do we have now? His finger has not gone down. We're looking at five seconds. We have five seconds. Jerome, hang on. I'll let you go, and we'll talk to you in a couple seconds. All right. I'll see you on the other side of the Jordan. You're listening to the Bible Live Quiz Show with your friend friend Jacob. 340-9585. If you want to do what Jerome just did and call in and and uh, participate in the show tonight, 340-9585. Is it live or is it Memorex? Well, it's definitely live. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Actually, you're listening to the to the Bible Live quiz show without Sophie Dollar tonight, but with Jacob. So the real trick question is, where is Sophie Dollar? Uh, yeah, it's like, where is Carmen Sandiego? Find Waldo. Yeah. He's like, where is Sophie? They're not with Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, maybe he's with Jimmy Hoffa. Oh, I don't think Then so. we'll never find him. <laughs> uh, he's a pillar of his community. The, <laughs> the, uh, but, I will, Jerome, are you there? Hello, I'm Jerome. still here. Okay. No, great. we were talking during the break, and I was really Im- impressed with your knowledge, and I was just wondering if, what, your, uh, what your background is. Uh, well, uh, I am a student of Scripture. I've been that way uh, for many, many years as a young, young man. I have sojourned on this land. I've been a pilgrim here on this earth for 67 years. And uh, and so I have uh, just been a lover of Scripture. But what has fascinated me and, and why I, I really am, am in love with with the Scriptures is because of the Jewish people. And, and this is one of the reasons why I believe in God. I know there's a lot of atheists out there, a lot of people who don't believe in God. But to me, the the proof is this is that you have many, many thousands of years in history, uh, a lot of the, the vicissitudes of life have, have been ups and downs, but what, what, what amazes me is that God's promise that there would be his people would endure forever. And so as long as uh, the Jewish people survive, and not only do they survive, they survive because of the book that they were willing to die for, willing to lay down their life for, and their God, and and not only the the Bible, but in the original language. Uh, you know, Martin Luther once said, you know, that reading the Bible from the original language is like reading from a fountain where the river starts. But you read it in in uh, Latin, it's like like drinking it from a, a stream. And you read it in Greek, it's like a brook. And you read it in your own modern language, it's like, uh, you know, like drinking from a mud puddle. You know, because we lose a lot in translation. And, uh, and so there's just so much uh, power in, in the Hebrew scriptures. It's like trying to study the American Constitution, uh, in other language than English. You know, you lose so much of the power and impact 
of the language itself. And so this is why the Bible has survived, the people have survived, and the language of Hebrew has survived. And so I know that there is a God because he said so, and it would be so for almost 4,000 years. And it's an amazing, amazing trek that uh, we have seen. They have <clears throat> survived many, many thousands of of uh, pogroms and 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 many thousands of persecutions and nations that rose up against them no longer exist. The pharaohs are gone. The Babylonians are gone. The Assyrians are gone. The Greeks are gone. The Romans are gone, and yet uh, uh, the Jewish people survive, and so does their books. You know, I always got worried that somebody might take that as you know. If everybody doesn't like it, what? Maybe there's something to it. No, I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but that's no, not joking. I'm joking. But I will tell you. I just want to tell you. Uh, during the break, I, I was looking up something just to be sure, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, the queen that we're talking about, the descendant of Jezebel, uh, uh, Athaliah, or Athaliah. Uh, she was uh, her her grandfather was a guy named uh, Omri, and he was a really a devoted guy to a particular religion, and she, so was Jezebel. And the religion was something called Zidonian Baal. Now I, I heard you say Baal, and uh, of course that's the way people say it in English. And for some reason, I have such a hard time. Saying Baal, I'm just so used to saying Baal, but it's you know in English it's Baal, but it's uh, yeah, don't don't bail on me now, Jacob. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> yeah, no, no, you can sink by yourself. No bailing here. Uh, no, the, Bail away. But uh, anyway, but it was, uh, and you can find Google this and find out a little bit about it. But it's called Z i d o n i a l Zidonian Baal or Baal. And it's fascinating because that was a religious tradition, and you'll recognize some of the tenets of that religion as being things that uh, may be in fairly recognizable even today. And if I may, Jerome, I'd like to, uh, let me just share this with you because I know you'd have something very insightful to say. In Second Chronicles 34, it said Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned for 31 years in Jerusalem. He did what was upright in God's eyes, following the ways of his ancestor David without turning aside to the right or left. And I was gonna, I was gonna ask you real quickly, what do you think? Because you see that even Jesus says, "Don't turn to the right or left." What do you take that to mean? I mean, I have my own Hebraic ideas, and of course, I would be right, of course. But uh, but what, what do you think? Uh, again, it's it's called the the straight way. Uh, this is uh, uh, halakha in in uh, in Hebrew, and that's uh, the walk and uh, the, or the way and, and to walk upright. And to do that, you you do, do not deviate from from the path or from the journey that God has set before you. And going to the right or to the left means that. Uh, you're double-minded. You're not. You don't have a focal point on how to live, and so you can be pulled from to the right and pulled to the left, uh, just like Pinocchio was, just uh, by the people that had tried to uh, uh, convince him to do the to do the wrong. So you have to have a conscience that uh, 
is that I think this is what God also created in man, especially He gave it to the and to I know the I know with, I know with your background also, Jerome. You uh, you if may and I, I can't lay my hands on that at this moment, but you might be assistance on this. There is a place where Jesus says something about never let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Are you familiar with that verse? Uh, yes, that's, uh, that is in the Beatitudes, I believe, uh, where it talks about giving. And uh, and that when you give, you don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. You just give, Great. give uh, you know, generously. And uh, you've, uh, have you ever seen a book that was written by a rabbi about uh, 20 years ago called The Left Hand of God? I'm not. I've not heard that. Okay. I mean, I've, I'm not saying it's not, you know, it is there. I just haven't read it. Okay, well, great. Anyway, so historically... Uh, the right hand of God was always considered basically the hand of mercy. The left hand of God was the God hand of judgment. So I have always understood that when they say don't go to the right or to the left, in other words, don't add to the Torah. Don't become too harsh. Don't become too uh, marshmallowy that you're so wishy-washy that you're not enforcing it. So you're not supposed to be so passive that you totally do not follow it to the right. Don't go to the left to be too harsh. Don't add to it right or left. That's the way I've always taken that. Um, uh, that that's, uh, that's a very, very good insight. Uh, I know that I've heard similar uh, teaching uh, from the name of God. One was a God that... Uh, uh, that was for stood for justice and judgment, and another God that stood for for mercy, and so uh, I know that 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 uh, carries the same connotation that God is both merciful, but uh, He's also uh, a God of justice and will do judgment. And so our prayer is that you know that He will always look down to us with mercy when we fail, uh, and 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 so this is always the appeal. Uh, for people who, who uh, are imperfect, uh, but yet we know that God cannot uh, tolerate and let uh, uh, lawlessness and and uh, injustice. Uh, so yes, is to stand up and, and do judgment against those folks who rebel against Him. So, so God carries a, a definite responsibility of doing both. And and I know we as as individuals should practice uh, that that characteristics of of showing mercy and judgment, but we have to be balanced. It, it's uh, kind of like it's um, good to be unbalanced. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's like you know carrying a uh, you know a velvet glove, but having an iron fist, you know, inside the glove. You know, yeah, so. sure, I understand. Hey, and do you you know, I know you know this, Jim. There was a time when evidently. Uh, the Torah was hidden or forgot about, let's say, and it was discovered. And it's actually talked about in Second Chronicles again. I'm going to leave the names out because, well, let's face it, a lot of people are not going to memorize the Hebrew names, so what difference does it make? Right? Ah, that's right. Thanks for answering. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'll just read you. This is very interesting. It says, one of the priests, this is uh, during the period of uh, Hosea, it says, one of the priests found the scroll of God's Torah, which Moses had written. Um, and he took it to the other priest. And they eventually took it to the king that, uh, that had assigned them to be priest. And he gave the king the scroll. When the king heard the words of the Torah, he ripped his clothes. We're talking about 
Josiah. And this is a fascinating thing. The, one, the, the last line in this passage is this young man says, um, God is very angry with us because our ancestors did not heed the word of God to fulfill what is written in the scroll. And I, I, and I find that so fascinating because all that had to be hidden because of the attack. And frankly, the attack was because of not just the war, but the the uh, the uh, assimilation of bringing in and trying to make synchronization of other religion. Um, John, I see you're reacting funny. Are we having some problems with the phone? Is that it? All right. Yeah, I have another. We're having some little problem. I'm glad you got through, Jerome. At any rate, uh, how would you know, or what make you make the guess that the, what they discovered at that time was indeed the original writings of Moses? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, um, for, first of all, you, you find anything else, a document uh, can easily uh, be appreciated for the first two, three generations after it has uh, received a lot of accolades like the, like the covenant did when they entered the land. But over time, especially when uh, the next generation, uh, and this is what happens with a lot of people when, the, when they start uh, you know, focusing out of faith, we find that their descendants uh, a lot of times don't have the same zeal as their parents did. And so we find a, a real indifference, a lukewarmness developed in, in Israel. And so the, the reading of the law that was supposed to be read, supposed to be read once a year was not done. I'm pretty sure a lot of other stuff took its place. And so the book was lost. And the way I understood is that it was uh, it was actually found after a remodeling was done uh, in the process of restoring the the temple after it had been totally treated like a yeah, garbage. Actually, yeah, uh, I did. Thing. You're right. I did leave those couple lines out. Of, that was a preface of it. Yeah, that when they were removing some of the silver plates, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, they did discover. So it had been obviously placed back there. You're 100 right that it was placed back there, and uh, and it. And what always is remarkable to me is I've heard the criticism. We all have, well, you know, now we don't know that it's the same thing. Maybe this other guy added to it, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what's always remarkable to me is this, is that if that's true, we have one of the grandest conspiracies that has ever happened right here because we had to get all the priests, all the kings, Everybody has still had any memory of it. Everybody had to be in on the conspiracy. And I just don't think you'd be able to get all those people to go along with the conspiracy. And so I've often found it fascinating when uh, people say, that, no, this was, had to be something else. And, I mean, they're free to have their thoughts, but I don't think that's what it, it's about. I think it's more about the person not knowing much about what they're reading and so they wouldn't know if it's the real thing or not. <laughs> but at any rate, that's my thoughts. But uh, And, uh, of course, you know, if anybody disagrees with me, I'll just turn them off, you know. <laughs> I'm, kidding, I'm kidding. Well, you know, uh, Jacob, there's a lot of ways to, to lose something. You can lose it physically and not have it in your possession, but you can also lose it by not uh, uh, 
actually uh, reading it and, 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 and exercising its use. For instance, those people that, uh, that lived in the land and they were taken uh, in the captivity, those kept, uh, you know, they kept a real close uh, uh, observation of the Torah and they read it in the original language. But when they came back to the land, the people couldn't, couldn't understand the Torah when it was read to them because they didn't understand the language anymore. They had uh, developed a whole other uh, use of, of language. They developed the Aramaic. And so uh, this is where uh, Ezra had to actually read it and interpret it for them. So there's always been a, a need to explain and study the Torah. And, and, and it just shows to me that they kept such a close uh, care for it, those that were in Babylon, that, uh, that the Torah and, and all the scriptures were well-preserved, and, and this is like the Jewish people. I think God's promise to them they're going to be preserved forever, and just like his word is going to be preserved forever. I don't think that, that one word will drop from what it was written uh, and had recorded for us. And so uh, that's my belief, is that uh, God's words are, are all supernatural. They are, uh, you know, man, it says uh, in uh in Deuteronomy, man shall live, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, to do that, you have to preserve that food. Well, I, I, I of course, I, I tend to agree with you. And I, as Mark Twain said, I find the smartest people always agree with me. <laughs> but uh, hey, listen, Jerome. Thanks for calling. We're I'm getting the signal here. We need to take a couple of the calls. So, but thanks for calling, and we're going to take. All care. right. Thank, thank you very you. much. Jake. Thanks. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, who we got next? we got Harold there. We have Harold. Hey, Harold. Harold, are you there? Oh, yes, I am. Uh, yeah, that was a very good special guest y'all had tonight. Be careful, Jacob. <laughs> I know. Um, be still and know that I am God. I don't know if that would help y'all out or not. Uh, actually, that still, comes... we'll get taken off the air. You're not allowed to be quiet for more than a minute. Well, you know what that means is, you know, when you're troubled and despaired and you're out and you can't handle everything. Actually, I spent about four hours today, maybe three and a half, at uh, Antioch Baptist Church. Uh, I was invited through, uh, through the wire that um, they were having their 82nd year um, anniversary. And they had a speaker or two there, and I went to the adult Sunday school. And uh, we went from Revelations to Deuteronomy, chapter 20. And uh, anyway, uh, that that was the sermon. I was on my way to Barnes & Nobles, and Dan was, my wife was having a garage sale, and I said, I'll remember it. I had to stop over there. And I met a friend of mine from work, Joseph, and, uh, you know, we were just all glad to see everyone. And I thought I was going to hear one of those brimstone uh, sermons. I thought I needed that, you know, because I may look fine, but I'm, my spirit is just all jacked up and um, I messed up, you know, like that. And when he said, you know, let's turn to Psalms 4610, oh. be still. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's Psalms 4610. I'm not making jokes on the air. Uh, be still and know that I am God. I will exalt among the nations, and I will exalt among the earth. So that's that's the right God. But, but anyway, I um, 
I did talk to Pastor Kim for a few minutes, and I told him that uh, for a couple of years I had him in the Air Force, and I straightened it out, and he's back in the Army again. And um, I'm sorry to hear Slippy Dollar's not there, but John's, John's doing just he's just doing, fine. Yeah, he's doing fine. Uh, yes, he's, Thank you. Yeah, he answered. Yeah, well, you answer my call, and that's what counts. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And, you know, I was at yeah, the uh, Bible study. The question doesn't count, but the guy that answers the call does. <laughs> that, that's the one. And I was at Simba Bethel, and uh, we were doing a Bible study. It's going about going over Jordan, I guess. You know, the guys were at the end of the river there, or, the, or the sea. And the rabbi and I literally started singing, you know, uh, you know that song she said you know like this land is your land and then i started singing across the table this land is my land and she said from from you know new york islands and california and i thought it was kind of a spiritual moment and just before i left the temple my son gave me a call and my wife um has a cousin that her the cousin's husband has been been in hospice for a little over a year and he passed away saturday morning and, uh, you know, it, it was inspected, expected, but when it hits, it's not inspected, <laughs> expected, you know. I can't say Deuteronomy either, so. But, um, yeah, so we spent about four hours over there Friday night and then Saturday. I was at church all morning long, and I told Pastor Kim, sometimes I just need a little church, you know. But anyway, I'll let you all run. Wait, I just wanted I want to, to ask you a question, Harold. Is it about the Bible? Yeah. Because I don't know anything about the Bible. I just have life experiences. I'm a living Torah. It's okay. I don't either. Just wing it. Go ahead. That's what I'm going to do. I'll ask John. What's up? Oh, yeah, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John's having finger troubles. They keep twirling in the air. I don't know what that means. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyway, so after they found this copy of the Bible, and they took it to this king, uh, Josiah, do you know what he did? He read it. Well, it was read to him. <laughs> yeah, it was read to him. That's a very sound reasoning. All right, but do you know what else he did for the people, shall I say? Uh, I'm thinking of two different people. The guy that they had to scroll, I mean, Ezra, oh, I'm thinking of. No, he didn't do it for two different guys. He did it for everybody. Oh, no. I'm, I, in a little of time, I wish you would answer for for yourself. For me, well, uh, How's that work? if I were Harold, I would okay. say uh, he he reinstituted a great big ceremony of Passover in Jerusalem. He actually gave uh, like thirty thousand sheep or goats to all the people, so they could all do Passover again. And interesting, yeah, I would have said sheep. I'm I'm glad you answered. Well, that's all right. That's all right. Sheep's fine. Um, but anyway, so but he did that, and it's interesting that he also brought in all the divisions of the priests again. He kind of recreated the entire thing. Any thoughts why he, the first thing he would do is do Passover again? Why? Yeah. Why? Why? What would your What's your gut reaction on that? Why would he do that? Oh, because of the Exodus. Don't let's forget we led you out of Israel. I mean, Egypt. Okay, okay, okay. So can you, you want to give an uh, expounding on that real quick? I did respond on it pretty quick, I thought. 
That was a fascinating. I, may I respond? To what I think I'm. Yes, Roy. I'm sorry. I'm okay. So, all messed up. Uh, that's all right. So yeah, well, you're right. It's coming out of Egypt, but they're coming out of their own Egypt because Egypt and Hebrew is Mitzrayim, which means limitations or boundaries, and they've been limited in their religious thoughts. So he's reinstituting and doing Passover again, and it also occurred at that time. We have uh, only less than two minutes. Anything you want to add, uh, Harold? No, why don't y'all finish it up? Uh, you know, you're doing a good job, and uh, I got all the answers right. And yes, you did. I guess that's all. That's right. You're okay, then. Appreciate you calling in. Thanks, Harold. Good night. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Did we have any uh, questions to answer over there? I actually, I think we actually got to discuss them all, because I, I only asked three or four, and we did discuss them. Oh, the fasting, we didn't really touch on that. As you said, uh, that's not eating. But why would God say not eating is something to do when you're praying? What's that about? you got to hurry, because we got less than a minute. Ask that again real quick. Yeah, why is fasting important? By the way, fasting is a personal decision. You do whenever you want. There's only one time God commanded fasting in the Bible. Do you know when that is? Real quick. Here we go, John. Ooh, no, no. This okay. is the fast money question, isn't uh, it? No, it's, uh, not, it's, I don't know about fast money, but uh, fast Eddie would know. But uh, anyway, no, the only time there's a commandment to fast is on Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement. Ah, okay. Anytime you choose to fast at the other time, that is your own sign of something, and that's a personal decision, but it's not considered a commandment because that's your personal decision. But the only commandment to fast is on Yom Kippur, or Day of Atonement. What do we got now, John, about 10 seconds? Uh, Roughly about 20. 20, great. Okay, well, I'll just tell you. So real quick, John, why does God say fast? On that day, why? Well, I mean, we know it's to to cleanse the eh, cleanse the body and the spirit. No, and we're mind, we're talking say. about religious stuff here. Well, no, I'm saying, but but the spirit and the mind as yeah. as, as well. Okay, look, you're, the reason you're fasting is because you got. Oh, I don't get the answer, but if people tune in next week, they get the answer. It's a cliffhanger. All right. Good night, John. Thanks. All right. Thank hey, you John, for listening. Yeah, I recommend to everybody. Be the kind of person you, you would like to have for a parent. Sophie's back next week? Yes. All righty. This has been the Bible Life Wish Show on KSLR. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.